the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H dot com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and the broadcast today will talk about Ukraine from a biblical perspective and what's going on there with a couple of special guests, so stick around for that and reach out to me anytime at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Hey, by any chance do you know of any attorneys or aspiring attorneys who seek to make honoring Christ and following His Word the centerpiece of their practice? Or maybe that describes you. An attorney who desires to practice as part of a firm that seeks to honor Christ and display His character to every client. The Brit, Iowa-based law firm, Sigrith, Jones, Lips, and Backey is seeking to hire an attorney for their growing and active practice throughout North Central Iowa. Please reach out to them at 641 641- Eight four three four four five one. Support for the Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Support for the Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm excited to be joined by a couple of guests. And one of those is in the Vancouver area, way up in northwestern U.S., and another is over in Europe as the founder of the Ukraine Freedom Project, based in Kiev. And uh, his name is Stephen Moore. The other guest in Vancouver is a Ukrainian by the name of Mikhail Pavenko. And those are my two guesses. We're going to talk a little bit about the situation in Ukraine and the ongoing conflict between Ukraine and Russia that has basically disappeared from uh, the headlines in the media. And so welcome to the broadcast. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you for having us. Jay, great to be with you. And let's just kind of start uh, probably with you, Mikhail. Maybe Stephen has some to add into this, too. But I, I want to go over a little bit of background here because it's been now a year and a half, something like that, since the conflict started there. Well, in reality, the I guess the modern day conflict started back in 2014 when the Russians took Crimea and made East Ukraine and kind of started, you know, took parts of East Ukraine. And then the full scale invasion happened of February of 2022, so we're going on our third year here soon, unfortunately. 
Wow. It certainly does trace back longer than the actual full scale. But, you know, with all of this, I guess I just wanted to have you share a little bit about your perception on kind of what's the impetus behind this. From what I hear, with Russia, there are Russian soldiers who have no interest. In fact, a lot of Russians in general who have no interest at all in what Vladimir Putin is pushing here. And I wanted to know if that's kind of an accurate perception. Well, you know, I think that's kind of a Western line, to be honest. That's not really true. I'd say that the majority of Russians, they do support this war, very much so. They do believe in the imperial ideas of basically modern Hitler, Vladimir Putin, and they do believe in big Russia, as as they call it. There are definitely Russians that oppose this war, but I I would say they're minimal, to be honest with you. I do have uh, some relatives uh, that live in Russia from my wife's side, and they are very pro-Putin, unfortunately. These are Christian people that they believe the propaganda, they believe that the the Russian military is killing homosexuals in Ukraine and that they're fighting off this extreme evil left, you know, in Kiev. That's what they believe. Mm. Jay, let me let me just add to that. that and, and the public opinion research bears that out. There's, if you look at the polling, more than 70% of Russians support the invasion of Ukraine. Like Mikhail, I have friends who are Ukrainian who cannot talk to their relatives in Russia. There's one example of a woman who was calling her father from Bucha while the Russians were there invading. And she's saying, the Russians are bombing me, you know? And he's saying, of course not. That's your own government bombing you. We're here to liberate you. That's a very common story. And just one more indication, this is very new. Vladimir Putin is running again for president, and his slogan is something to the effect of uh, Russian borders know no bounds. So he thinks that's a slogan that can get him votes. So, yeah, unfortunately, the Russian people are really under the spell of horrible propaganda, and a vast majority of them support the war. Hmm. I'm glad I asked that then, because the other thing with the whole election process, too, is, you know, my probably Western misinformed understanding is always that it's these type of elections in places like Russia are just corrupt and the people really aren't supporting him. He just, you know, has a corrupt way to steal the election is kind of my <laughs> that was my view. But it sounds like the people are supporting him then or most of them. Absolutely. It's corrupt. We know there is no freedom of elections there. They kill off their opposition. They install these puppet opposition folks that run as like they have a shot, but in reality, they don't work, have a shot or number two later on, you see them working from the Kremlin you know, side by side just to have an imitation for the West. that There is freedom of elections, but unfortunately, like Stephen said, even along with this own genocide that Vlad's doing against his own people, let alone the people of Ukraine, the Russian people still believe in the greatness of this old Russian empire. And like Stephen said, one time they asked Vladimir Putin in a question, one of his Kremlin talk shows, they said, hey, where do the borders of Russia end? And Vladimir said, Russia has no borders. I mean, that's really a absolute disgust for the international law and order. This guy does not, unfortunately, respect other nations' borders. Mm. And, and again, go, going back to the election, I've been working on elections all my life. I've worked politically in a dozen different countries around the world including Russia, but that was in 1996, quite a long time ago. There's a word in English that's not commonly used called defenestration. And defenestration is the act of throwing someone or something out of a window. And defenestration has become more popular these days because that's what Vladimir Putin does to his political enemies. You know, I think the elections are relatively fair. I think they count the votes. 
I just don't think there's a lot of opposition to Putin because he would kill you if you did. Mm, wow. It's just one of those things that can hardly even fathom, and yet, uh, yeah, it sure does go on. It seems like things you see in the movies only, but yeah, the way that uh, power is maintained, and really that's kind of what it's all about, I, I take it, huh? just a quest for power. Yeah, and well, and let me add to this. You just mentioned a, a common misperception in the West, and we talked about that. Another common misconception among believers in America is that Putin is somehow a Christian or is somehow spreading faith or something. I've just heard that you know that people say that he's a good Christian leader, and you know, for starters, he is pro-abortion, and that's not something that a lot of people know. But we started an organization called Russia org that talks about the horrible things happening to believers in Ukraine. Protestant believers in Ukraine are being tortured and murdered for their faith. And if your listeners go to our website, org, there's a whole section on, on Vladimir Putin and why he is not the Christian that some of the West might think he is. Mm, yeah. Tell me a little bit, because I wanted to hear each of your stories a bit here. So, Stephen, let's start with you. And I guess from yeah. some of the things that you're just sharing here, I can understand why you would found the Ukraine Freedom Project. Yeah, thanks for asking. So my background is, as I've mentioned, I've worked politically in a, in a bunch of countries around the world. I was a chief of staff to a member of Congress on Capitol Hill for about seven years, a Republican member of Congress. And I have friends in Ukraine, and nearly two years ago, whenever the Russians launched their full-scale invasion of Ukraine, I called my Ukrainian friends, I was like, are you okay? And they're saying things like, they're bombing Kiev, I don't know what to do. And one of the places I worked was in Iraq at the beginning of that war in 2003. I was a civilian in Iraq, and I got to Iraq two months after Saddam's statue fell. So I was very familiar with war zones, areas affected by combat, that sort of thing. And so I had the opportunity to help. And so I got on a plane and got to Ukraine on day five of the war. And I've been there for much of the time since then. And so what are you seeking to accomplish with the Ukraine Freedom Project? Well, initially, I just went over there because my friends needed help. And then I started seeing opportunities to help otherwise. We did a lot of work bringing medicine to the front in the first part of the war. Some of the big organizations you might expect to be effective in a war zone situation like that were just completely underperforming in the first six months to a year of the war. So we at one point supplied 31 hospitals with medicine. We got about 250 tons of food to the front. We got several thousand pieces of body armor on Ukrainians that wouldn't have had it otherwise. Starlink generators, helmets, socks. We just like we just like, had a bunch of socks to Ukraine, and so that's some of the, the humanitarian stuff we were doing. But then, as I started being in a position to understand things in Ukraine from a firsthand perspective, you know, things that I saw, and you know, were not lining up with things that my friends in America understood and perceived about the situation in Ukraine. And members of Congress, because I used to work in Congress, my friends still in Congress were saying things. I'm like, well, you know, that's not entirely the case. What I am seeing on the ground is this. So I just thought I could be of good use in conveying firsthand, fact-based, data-driven information to Americans in general and members of Congress and their staff in particular about what I'm seeing there. 
Mm, yeah. Well, one more thing here before we go to our first break, and that is just I'm thinking here a little bit about the reality that this has kind of disappeared, as I said at the outset, from the news for the most part. And I don't know if part of that is just because, you know, it was assumed Russia was just going to, you know, this is going to be a super short conflict here and Russia would take over and that would be the end of it. And so since that didn't happen, people are just not even talking about it anymore, even though it continues on. And what are your thoughts about that? People in America and in the West in general like short resolutions to things. There's a reason that 30-minute sitcoms are the most popular format on TV. And I think it's a couple of things. One, so there's just a, a loss of interest in the war in general. I think that the war in Israel has also eclipsed the war in Ukraine, although there's just as many horrors and terrible things going on in, in Ukraine as there is Israel. And I think that you know, the Russians are very effective in getting false messages out there. You know, and I think maybe one of them is what we talked about earlier is that Russian people don't want this. And, you know, and so the area of the news available for wars is not that big. And so what usually happens is they say something like today, something blew up in Ukraine. So there's not a nuance. There's not uh, any educational aspect to it. And people just think that Ukraine is a smoking ruin. And I think Mikhail can tell you that's not the case. Mm, yeah, and Mikhail, I will have you address that more right after our break here because I wanted to pull you in next and get uh, the latest on, yeah, on your experience. So my guests are Mikhail Pavenko, a volunteer chaplain with the Ukrainian military, Stephen Moore, founder of Ukraine Freedom Project based in Kiev, here as we discuss uh, Ukraine and the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And we're digging into this as best we can here from a biblical perspective on the plumb line. I hope you can stay with me. Lots more to come on this uh, on the plumb line. You can reach out to me and share your thoughts and comments, maybe questions that you have, and those I'll probably have to pass along to the guest here. But would love to hear from you at this email, the plumb line radio at gmail.com. Plum is P L U M B, the plumb line radio at gmail.com. Stay tuned. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Bat at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Thanks for joining me for The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. My guests are a couple of people that are deeply involved with Ukraine. One is a Ukrainian national who lives in Vancouver now and 
The other is an American who lives in Kiev and is the founder of the Ukraine Freedom Project, Mikhail Pavanko, Stephen Moore, my guest. And Mikhail, I want to move back to you for some thoughts here as you have had the opportunity to uh, see what things are like from the front lines pretty much over there, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Mikhail. I was born in Ukraine, uh, moved to the States in 1996, became a citizen of America in 2006. And since 2015, I've been uh, traveling to Ukraine and few times a year as a chaplain, so I live about a month, month and a half, two months per year in Ukraine on the front lines, working with the troops, and also doing quite a bit, a lot of work in the hospitals, things like that. Mm. I'm glad that Stephen started this whole whole project. That I really appreciate him and the guys that are helping. Uh, in 2014, uh, I have three uncles who are pastors in East Ukraine, three uncles who are pastors of big churches. And in 2014, one of my uncle's boys were murdered by pro-Russian separatists. They were actually fighters from, they call them the Russian Orthodox Army or the New Russia Movement. I have relatives, they're Protestants. So there's a large Protestant community in Ukraine. And when the Russians took their city, they took a lot of pastors hostage. I personally know some pastors that went through torture. And unfortunately, two of my uh, cousins did not make it. They were heavily tortured and shot a few days later. Uh, to imitate a Ukrainian assault, but they were killed by these pro-Russian uh, separatists and also a couple guys from Russia killed them and they later admitted to the killings. There's a huge massive persecution of Protestant Christians in East Ukraine and really all over Ukraine where the Russians take occupation. Um, just as of August 25th of last year, I've been doing quite a bit of research on this too, there were 494 religious buildings, 218 hospitals and 331 schools they were destroyed by the Russians. 494 church buildings, 218 hospitals, and 331 schools. That's just as of August 25th, and I weekly, almost daily, get updates from my family, other chaplains in Ukraine, all over the front lines. And I want to say that church number is probably over 600 buildings right now destroyed. In Kherson, last November, there was a husband, there was a father, a pastor, and his son. They were in the garage working on their Honda Odyssey where the Russians came and said, hey, come with us. Uh, this was a Protestant uh, pastor and his boy, and they found him in the woods later with bullet holes in their heads. Mm. Um, one of the main goals of this fascistic invasion is to restore the Russian Empire and to, as, as they say, to cancel out, eradicate the Western Christianity, a.k.a. Protestantism. And for me, really, as a Protestant cha- uh, chaplain, I've had a fantastic time in Ukraine, uh, front lines, uh, hospitals, I would say probably Ukraine is probably the most freest nation for the gospel. I've been in a lot of hospitals. I'll walk in. I'll say, hey, guys, can I walk in? We're all in uniform with a couple of chaplains. And they'll say, no, you can't walk in. We want you to walk in. We, you know, like you guys are needed here. We've never ever been you know, discriminated for anything. Um, it's been a fantastic time in Ukraine. A lot of work, a lot of work. It's truly a genocidal war. I've, I've personally spoken with ladies that had their children taken away at checkpoints and kids are deported in Russia. That's another thing that's very not reported today, underreported in the Western media is the massive deportation of children into Russia from cities like Mariupol, other big cities. These kids are taken into Russia. They're given new, new names, new passports. And I spoke with the mom of Mariupol who was stopped at a checkpoint when they were trying to leave. Her husband was taken away. Later, he was released. But her children are still in Russia. Can you imagine that? Two years later, the children, she doesn't know where they're at. This is 2023, and we're living in the days of Nazi Germany again, but this time it's it's from Russia, and 
I've seen a lot of miracles in this war. You know, I personally believe that Ukraine would fall in a, in a few weeks. I knew, I was sure in 2019 they were going to invade. I, I knew they were building hospitals, field hospitals, camps along the borders in Belarus and Russia, field camps, training camps, you know, pulling in their artillery closer and closer. Uh, but what happened here was uh, the reason why Ukraine stood, and I believe it will prevail, is for a few things. For one, it's God's miracles, God's provision. Number two, it's the people of Ukraine. I mean, the West almost in a way kind of stood by for a handful of months until Boris Johnson from England started giving weaponry. Hey, Ukrainians might actually win this thing. We've got to give them help, right? But uh, the reason why Ukrainians stood, why they got Kiev, kept Kiev, was because the resilience of the Ukrainian people, uh, God's miracles, and just the resilience of the Ukrainian military. Uh, this, is a, this war is a genocidal war for one. This is not a war just for territory. Vladimir Putin believes that Ukrainian is a, is a mistake and he wants to correct their historical wrong. Those were his words. What other uh, proof do we need? We have, we're dealing with the genocidal maniac. There's a lot of instability and chaos in the world. And if we let Ukraine fall, that chaos and instability will only increase. And here's why. Because you've got other players like China and other thugs that are sitting in the sidelines and thinking, okay, if a big guy with a gun can pick on a little guy and get away with it, We'll do the same thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So to have Ukraine be victorious, it's an American national security interest. It'll give Ukraine victory, and Ukraine will put an end to this evil empire, unfortunately, through its people, through its blood, and through a massive, massive price the people of Ukraine are, are paying. And really, uh, you know, back to my story, my, my great-grandfather and my grandfather, they both spent 33 years combined in gulags and in prisons. 33 years of their life, they gave away. My, my mm. father was born in a labor camp in, uh, in northern Russia in 59. Huh. And then they were deported back to Kazakhstan. And when they moved back to Ukraine, I was born in Ukraine. So for the people of Ukraine, freedom is not just a cliche thing. You know, we say freedom isn't free. Freedom really isn't free. And I think uh, one of the American presidents sometimes said, you know, freedom is a tree that you got to water once in a while with some blood, right, unfortunately. And this is really what's happening. But for believers, people that are listening, there's a lot of Christian people in Ukraine, and when the Russians occupy a city, first thing they do, and it's a documented fact, ban Protestantism in any religion other than the Russian Orthodoxy. That's it. Mm. Well, one more thing that I have time for in this first of a two-part series here, and it is just your thoughts on what's going to happen from here. It seems to me, from what you're describing, this is a conflict with no end to it. Well, you know, uh, one thing I'll say is um, it, every war ends, right? Every war ends. I believe this war will end. I believe this uh, war will end with the Ukrainian victory, and it'll be a miracle of God. God will step in because this isn't just a war for territory. This is a war to eradicate a nation, right? This is a genocidal war, and what the Ukrainians need now more than ever is they need weapons they've been asking for since day one. It seems the West gives the Ukrainians weapons, but six months too late, right? They're afraid, well, Vlad's going to do this, this red line, this red line. In reality, this is a guy that needs to be stopped. Mr. Putin needs to be stopped. And the Ukrainian people have shown that they're willing and able to stop this guy. What they need is they need aid that they've been asking for. They're not asking for troops, anybody's troops. They're saying, hey, we can deal with this guy. We're on our home turf, on our home country. We're motivated. We just need heavy, long-range weaponry to deal with this maniac, to deal with this onslaught. And Jay, if I may add, so what I've seen is that, you know, you're asking if this that war has an end. It can be a war without an end, or it can be a war that is ended more quickly. And I'll tell you why. It's counterintuitive to Americans is that uh, if we give the Ukrainians the weapons that they need, they will win. 
because they've done that so far. What your listeners probably don't recognize is that the Ukrainians have pushed the Russians out of all but 17% of their territory. They have degraded Vladimir Putin's warfighting capability by more than half, probably 60 to 70%. So when we send them the weapons they need, they're highly motivated, they do a good job, and they push the Russians out of their territory. Now, one way to make sure that this is a long, painful war that will ultimately involve American troops is to cut off aid to Ukraine right now, because then Vladimir Putin will take Ukraine, and then he will be on the border with nine NATO countries. And of course, NATO is a pact between America and multiple European countries that if one country is attacked, all countries are attacked. And as I mentioned earlier, Vladimir Putin's campaign slogan is Russia's border knows no bounds. He has said multiple times that he will go into NATO countries, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Estonia. And those countries, those with the most information on it and the most at risk are the ones that are on a per GDP basis are giving the most money to Ukraine. They know that they're next. So if we want to have a war that expands into Europe, it messes up trade, destroys our economy and pulls American soldiers in, then we should cut off Ukraine aid now. If we want a, a war that will end in the next year or two, then we should continue to give Ukraine the weapons it needs. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll add is, Stephen, is the, the Ukrainian military destroyed over 90% of the tanks that Russia had on the day of the invasion. Think about that, 90% yeah. of tanks. Oh. I've operated with tanks, and that is a really scary thing. A tank is a massive thing. And the Ukrainians destroyed 90% of the Russian tanks they had on the day of this invasion. And they, like Steve said, they pushed the Russians out. I want to say 56% of the land that the Russians took since the big invasion that Ukrainians took back. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm going to have to wrap things up for this broadcast, but we'll continue with part two in this series here and talk more about these aspects. And I am so thankful for both of you brothers in Christ here bringing this to me because I'm. (laughs) this is one of those broadcasts where I'm learning a lot more, uh, certainly, and being corrected in a lot of perceptions, and I greatly appreciate that. My guests are Mikhail Pavenko and Stephen Moore talking about Ukraine and the conflict between Russia and Ukraine uh, from a biblical perspective here on the plumb line. And I thank you for tuning in and i do hope that you will join me for the next edition we'll continue with more we have lots of other things to discuss about this so join me on the plumb line next time and reach out to me via email at this address the plumb line radio at gmail.com remember plum ends with a b p-l-u-m-b the plumb line radio at gmail.com we'll see you next time on the plumb line The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.